Welcome uh, to The Remnant. If this is your first time or the first time you've been here in a while, um, we are in the midst of a series. It's our second week, and the series is I Am, and the context is we're going over the names of God. What do you mean, Todd? I thought that God only had one name, man. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, God refers to himself in a lot of different ways. So w- within the Bible, we see that God calls himself Right, calls himself names, but he also allows us and people throughout time and history to give him names. Right? So will you let me and be okay with me just coming up and go, hi, big jerk? Hi, big dummy. No, you wouldn't, right? Why? Because that offends you and that's not that doesn't represent who you want to be. So if God allows us to call him a name, right? If God allows us to give him a name then that means he accepts the, char- the characteristics that come with that name, right? So that's where we're at. We're in the second week, so I'm glad you're here. So I have a question. Or this is one of those times I sat in the back, and it's funny how I come in with like a tone, right? I come in with this tone that I want to have, a feeling for the message. And a lot of times, so sometimes when you're pastoring, what I've learned is like the congregation can have... Uh, Sometimes you're, you're punks, you're rebels, right? Sometimes you're obstinate. You know what that is? A fancy word for stubborn, <laughs> right? So you got to, you know, if I'm the shepherd, I got to get the stick and poke you back the other way or try to. You don't listen. But the other thing, sometimes you're, 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 you're down and you're discouraged. You need to be picked up. Um, and sometimes you are uh, lost and blinded. We, I'm part of it, right? Because I'm always preaching to myself. Here's my point in saying this. I think you're distracted today. I think that you are somewhere else. Now, this is what makes me not a great pastor, okay? I'm going to be real with you because I can't fake it. I can't fake it. I'm not good. I'm a bad faker. Like, and I, that's not, I'm not saying they're like, yo, y'all fake and I'm real. No, it's terrible quality because I also show everything on my face all the time, right? And you you can't do that as a professional, but I can't fake it. I'm crazy. So say I was up here and I came up and everybody in the, the crowd, this, this God's people, these, this temple that you are, that's what it says. You're the, those of you that put your faith in Christ, living stones. right? And when we come together, we build the temple. And it's funny, man, because I can see the religion in your eyes sometimes. Where it's like, hey, man, just give me my, my bread here and let me go home. Give me my good word and let me go home. Let me feel good about myself for 25 minutes and go home. And sometimes I'm, I'm struck by this. And I've said this before. You guys have been here a lot. And I'm going to keep saying it. Some of you act insane. And I'll tell you why. This is the worst social club to be a part of. Christianity. I'm just telling you right now. If you, if you want to be a part of a social club and you pick Christianity, you picked wrong. Because it's not, it's, it's not easy. Go join the, the PTO or the, you know, Kiwanis and all that stuff. And listen, that's all good stuff. Those are good. The, 
Drug-free Indiana. These are things I was part of at one point, right? Those are real things. Go join those. There's nothing wrong with that. Go do that. You'll still feel good about yourself because they're going to give you, make you feel good and tell you that you're doing awesome and you're going to actually do some good things. Go do that. But don't do this. Don't pretend that this matters to you. I have people all the time, well, Todd, why are you so angry? I'm not angry. I'm, I'm confused at some of your insanity. And most of the time, you know, we get, this church is odd. If you're newish, I'll tell you right now. We get 15, 20 guests a week. You probably can't. You know who doesn't come? Members. People that say, I'm a Christian. And you know why they don't come? Because Todd made them upset. Because they're tired. Because they're grumpy. Because they're sad. Because they're, they're stubbed their toe. Because they're bloated. Um, because they're hungry. Because blah, blah. It doesn't matter the reason. But think about this. And this is me being honest with you. You have said, I don't have a problem if you're not a Christian. You haven't, you haven't lied to yourself. But you say, I believe in the living God. But you can't go to church because you feel bloated. Todd's words made me upset today. You picked the wrong club. I'm not mad. I'm I'm. Saying to you, this, is, this has been my favorite saying lately. Anybody's close to me, I could have them raise their hand. It's probably annoying them. I was like, you know what? Have the courage of your conviction. You know what that means? Have the courage to live out. It's not a, thank you, but it's, it's not a, not so good. If you don't really want this, have the courage to say it. Have the courage to live it. But if you do, you got to wake up and realize that this isn't, especially here at the remnant, because I can't fake it. That doesn't mean I'm holier. In fact, complete opposite. (laughs) But what I am going to tell you is, is if we're not going to do this the way he says to do it, I'm not going to do it. So if I'll come up here, and if you don't think there'd be a time I come up here right after worship and say, have a great day. God bless you guys. Where's Tim? He'll tell you. Jill, you know I'm crazy. Would I do it? Yeah, and then they're like, why'd you do that? I don't know. Now, if you're in the room, he's like, why is Todd always beating me up and being mean to me? You already are proving my point. And if you're a guest, I apologize. Thank you for coming. (laughs) That isn't to you. You've got to grow up. You've got to accept that faith involves doing things you don't want to do. So I say that because me too. I sat back. I was in. I'll tie it all together for you. This has nothing to do with the sermon, by the way. Absolutely nothing. Usually the bonus one. <laughs> I know it's like the one's not long enough. Anyway, I came in today and I had this different vibe. And I walk in, I immediately sense it. I can't. The time. This this distraction. You know, we had this big event, and, and, and instead of being excited, how God moved, there's a. I put my time in. It's the truth. How many of you are texting your buddies saying, I wish he wouldn't be so mad right now? He's a grump grump. I, I see you. <clears throat> I'll tell you this. God is real. Doesn't matter if you believe it. Doesn't matter if you don't like it. Doesn't matter if you don't like his way. Doesn't matter if you don't trust him. Doesn't matter if he hasn't kept his promises. Doesn't matter. That's what you think anyway. He's real. So you can keep trying to do it your own way or you can have the courage of your convictions because there's people that, ha- that are honest enough in this room today to say, I'm not a Christian, but 
this is serious enough to me that I want to explore it. And shame on us for having less faith than that. So, can you put your distractions aside? Not because I'm entertaining, not because I'm worth it, because I'm not. Because he is. Can you do that? Because if you can't, adults, boy, you sure shouldn't talk to your uh, kids about how they don't pay attention to you when you're sternly telling them what to do. Right? Tone shift. (laughs) Talking about the, uh, so, and especially when it comes to this stuff. So, and hey, I'm guilty too. Um... There, I made you feel better by making sure you know that I don't think I'm better than you, because <laughs> I don't. Um, I want to talk today about, but this does tie into something. I think part of the reason sometimes that we struggle with, with not being distracted, with this not being this weird religion, I, there's some, some of you in this room, I'd still be your friend and probably respect you more if you quit pretending, by the way, because you, you're not good at it. You're not. But... Here's, here's the reason some of us are distracted. I'm not doubting everyone's faith. What I, am, eh. <laughs> what I am saying is this. Sometimes we forget God and who he is in the process of being a Christian. Now that's gonna, Todd, what do you mean? That sounds all pastor. I'm saying you get so caught up in what we're supposed to do, and that's good, that you sort of almost forget, I do this, you forget why you're doing it, and that God is, is a being who exists outside of your reality and that we are choosing to worship and learn from. Does that make sense? It says that he's not Buddha, okay? He's not uh, Confucius. Big words, history lesson, yeah. I like it. David smiled. He likes words, yeah. He's not those people. He's not a philosopher. He's a living God. And we, we tend to forget that. Why? Because the enemy is very smart. You see, we have an enemy. And he wants to make you forget. And you know how he does it? Disappointment. Discouragement. Lies. Accusations. Hurts. Whispers. That voice in your head that's not yours that says things about who you are. And they're never good, right? Who is that? And so what ends up happening is you become bitter. Now, you'll never admit it because, oh, me? I've never heard a bitter person very often say they're bitter. It happens. Just like I don't ever hear an arrogant person. Yeah, it's funny, man. There's no arrogant people because no one will ever say, hi, I'm arrogant. <laughs> and it comes down to this. You've stopped trusting God. You've stopped believing that he's anything more than Tony Robbins. You know who that is? Real tall guy with a big smile. Huh? He's a motivational speaker, makes everyone feel really good about themselves. Hey, he's got some good stuff, but that's who he is, right? You show up on Sunday, and he's up here with a mic like this, and he's rah-rahing you, making you feel good about yourself, and we sort of, he doesn't have any real power. He's just got some good suggestions. That's not the option. You've, you've forgotten to trust God. You've, you've, he doesn't, It's not real. And I get it. I have the same questions. You know, if God's real, why does he do this? Why does he do that? Isn't it funny that that we tend to forget? It's just like when someone gives you a compliment. I can give you a compliment. 
I can give you 100 compliments, but if I insult you, if I call you a name, if I tear you down, what are you going to remember? You're going to remember the compliment? You're not going to remember the compliment. And it's the same with God. God can do things for us. He can provide for us. He can show himself in our lives in ways in which we go, man, that can't be a coincidence. But yet, we will only remember the things we didn't get. The only th- we only remember the ways that he didn't give us what we want when we want. Do you believe? Does he exist? If he does, what does that say about your rebellion? You know, your, your unwillingness, because that's what happens. When you stop trusting God, you start, you start doubting his character. We don't tend to doubt his power because that's why we're bitter. You believe he's got the ability to do for you what he says he, what he can, but he doesn't do it, so he must not love you. He must not be good. He must not show up. Yeah, that's cool, but that's church life. This is real life. You ever said that? If you said that, you're one of those people. You're living in a fantasy world. No wonder you're miserable. You're playing a role. Faith isn't about never doubting. Trusting God isn't about ever wondering if he's actually real. You don't think I have those moments? Is this all real? Did I waste my life? I'm watching my, I got two buddies that are dentists. Okay, I got another buddy who literally owns a chain of Jimmy John's. Okay, so he's so wealthy. He lives in Colorado. I asked him if he would donate to this, and he right now gets to name the field, which is, please don't let him do this, because I'll never hear the end of it. He's going to name the field. Why am I telling you this? I got all these successful friends. You don't think I look at them sometimes and go, boy, did I, did I pick the right path? Of course I do. Faith is remembering why and trusting that in God's reality, in God's movement, in God's existence, in this Bible, even when the times when my logic tells me not to. That's faith. It's not faith to say if I knock on this, it's going to make a, a knock sound. It's right here. I can see it, touch it. Right? Is this too deep for some of you? Are you with me? I can't tell if you're thinking or sleeping. This is what I'm talking about. Should I leave? Okay. (gasps) He's stern with me. (sighs) That's why it's so important that this this series to me, man. I get excited. Sometimes I'm like, people show up for one week, and I know it. By the way, guess, I'm so sorry you're coming this week, man. Because you're like, man, this guy, I think you're awesome. I'm just talking to these folks that claim they are a Christian. You're all the crazy ones. Not the people that don't believe. At least they're going, eh. That's, yeah, that is Daisy, my daughter, screaming. <laughs> She's like, is that Daisy? I can tell that. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, so how do you do that? How do you remember? How do you, you know, we talked about this a long time. You got to remember the moments and remember the miracles in your life. There's a whole, I did a series on this long ago, and I, it stuck with me. I preached to myself. You've got to remember the moments, believers, that God moved in your life. Because he has. God has provided for you. Did you know that? Let me tell you how. You're sitting here clothed and breathing. He came through this morning. How'd you, how, you know, most of you, your stomachs are aching from hunger. Nobody loves me. Because you put your faith in whether or not you get a wife or a husband. Missing all of the good that God has poured out into your life. 
Some of you said, man, life would be a lot better if my husband or wife was a better person. Missing all the ways in which God has blessed you. We're going to talk in a second about, I'm just, again, not going with my notes today, I guess. But, you know, God calls himself provider. Big famous Christian word, you ready? Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. Actually, in the scripture, it's Yahweh Jireh. Jehovah is, I won't go into it too much, but is a Germanized, Latinized version, right? But it's okay. But either one, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is provider. Are you ready for this? We'll talk about this later. Yahweh, well, Todd, where are are the uh, vowels? The Hebrews don't spell out the vowels, the Hebrew language, right? It's too holy, too. But Yahweh Jireh. Yahweh, and we're going to talk, I can't wait till the end. Right? You know what that essentially is? I am provider. Literally. I am provider. He is provider. The provider. He is the one, you ready? Literally translated, the Lord will provide. Will. Not even has, Will. In order for him to provide, he has to be on the other side of your need. To will provide, right? He has to know what the need is even before you do. We're going to talk today, and I want you to think about in this story, and a lot of you know it, and I love it. That's okay. Hopefully, I'll I'll remind you again. Take your Christian earmuffs off. That means I know the story, Todd. Take your earmuffs off and listen, because here's the thing. Most of us, we're going to talk about Abraham. You want to know why most of us aren't Abraham? You're like, man, I could never give my child up. No, no, no. You can't even obey to go to someone when they've wronged you. Like Scripture says. It says that. Like you can't even offer up the sacrifice of your discomfort. You can't offer up the sacrifice, men, of leading your wives when they don't want to be led by, you can't make them, telling the truth. Because I don't want to put up with it at home. I always like to pick, you know what word I'm going to say, ladies? Just because I love it because it just makes you so mad. I don't want to submit to my husband because he's not worthy of it. So you don't want to offer your sacrifice of submission because (laughs) it's not really going to work out for my good. It's not about giving your only son. Don't start there. Can you even lay down your pride? Can you lay down your fear? Can you lay down your distraction? Can you even sacrifice your attention to God? You're a long way from graduating to whether or not we can give up our child. We're going to talk about Abraham. Now listen, before we do, I'm going to give you some some background in case you don't know, because I didn't, right? There's this guy named Abram, and he's a nomad, wanders around. There's so many cool things in this story. We're going to do the covenant series again sometime. Covenant's so important. God makes a covenant, right? He makes a covenant with this Abram. This Abraham, and a long story short, all right, to save some time, he comes to this old man between 70 and 75 years old, and he says, listen, I'm going to give you a land. And he says, look up at the stars. This old man who has no kids, 
And he says, your descendants are going to be more numerous than those. You're going to, you're going to have all this land. I'm going to give you a... So now, he's 75, his wife also around that age, right? Not a lot of 75-year-old women having their first kid, right? But he tells him what to do. Go do this. And he makes a covenant. Beautiful, beautiful picture. And if you know the Eastern culture, which we'll talk about, the Middle Eastern culture, about this covenant, what God is doing in that moment. He's making a promise. Remember what I said? Covenant is about he'll be faithful to us when we're not faithful to him. Which, by the way, almost immediately Abraham doesn't trust God later on and says, hey, just in case my wife can't, I'll just sleep with this younger lady and have a kid. We're not even going to talk about that today. Because he said the kid will come through his wife, right? Will come through Sarah. Years later, he ends up 100 years old. By the way, some of y'all, you can't wait two years for a spouse. You're already given up. God's not good. Imagine 25 years. I'm going to give you a son. I'm telling you, I know me. I'll be honest. It'd be three weeks from then, and I'm like, well, he ain't coming through. But he has a son, his only son. Well, he has another son, and it's a long story. We'll talk about that another time. But his promised son, okay, Isaac. This Abram, God gives him a new name, Abraham, because of this covenant. You're a different person. It doesn't, doesn't really matter for the story, but just so you don't go, I thought you said his name was Abram. Abraham. All of a sudden, God shows up to him after his son is about 14 or 15 years old. Probably getting comfortable, like, oh, this is great. Look at him. Look at my boy. Right? Look at my boy. Some of you guys got sons in high school playing sports and doing all that stuff. I know you got that pride. That's my boy. Right? He's got that feeling. Watching your son grow up, and he says to him, or in play, or whatever else it is, you got that feeling of, man, that's my son, right? You're proud of your son. All of a sudden, God shows up and says, hey, Abraham, I want you to take your son Isaac up to the mountain, and I want you to sacrifice him to me as a burnt offering. Okay? We're, gonna, we're actually going to start with that. So, Genesis chapter 22. <clears throat> Right? Got it, fellas? Starting at verse 2, actually. I'm reading from the HCSB. You can read from whatever you'd like. Though if you want to follow closely, HCSB or uh, ESV. Though they'll take your son, he said, capital H. Who is it? God. He said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. I love it, because you're already going, what a neat parable. No, this happened. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his young men's servants and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. So he's walking, he sees this mountain. Then Abraham said to his young men at the foot of the mountain, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship. Then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand, he took the fire and the sacrificial knife, and the two of them walked on together. Isaac's carrying his own wood. His own sacrifice. Oh, his dad's 100, man. He ain't carrying that wood up the mountain, right? Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father... 
And he replied, here I am, my son. Isaac said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide. There it is, Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Jireh. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. Pause here. Did he tell his son what was going to happen? No. You know what that tells me? It makes him so much more real to me. Everybody wants to say he knew he was going to provide. He, he did. But he was human. So, right, if he fully 100% had like this assurance in his mind that I'm not going to have to sacrifice Isaac, right, I'm not going to have to, then he would have told him, hey, son, I'm going to take you up on this hilltop. I'm going to look like I'm going to sacrifice you. And God's going to save you, and we don't have to. No, we know that's not the case because he didn't tell him. Just like you wouldn't tell your son, hey, today you're going to die. He wants him to have a good morning. He keeps saying, my son, how sad and heartbroken must Abraham have been. I would imagine he's hiding tears because you, you don't want your son to see that. My son, and then, hey, you got to carry the wood up, son. Imagine that, the guilt. And he's going up and he's got the knife and his son puts it together. We're doing a sacrifice. Hey, hey, dad. I got the, we got the knife in the wood, but where's the lamb? And here we have that, that he says, God himself, Yahweh, Jireh, right? God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. The assurance again. When they arrived, verse 9, when they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. Imagine the somber moment of that silence. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, stop again because some Christians are like, oh, he never, why would he tie him down if he didn't think it was possible? He's going to be killing his son here. You're not going you, to tie him down. Why did he tie him down? He's going to be thrashing, going to be fighting. Does this sink in yet? It's not this cute picture of like he just goes, here, Father. No, he's tying him to it. Man, that's, that's, that's pretty intense. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. We now know that Abraham's intent was to kill his son. He was going to do it. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Remember, fear is not the like, woo. In this case, it's that awe of like God is God and I am not. Since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. Yahweh Jireh. Right? So today it is said, it will be provided. On the Lord's mountain. Then the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn that this is the Lord's declaration. Because you have done this thing and not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your offspring will possess the gates of your enemies, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. Now, on the surface, you can be like, So you're blessing him because he agreed to kill his son. No. This was never about killing Isaac. 
This was about faith. You ready for a word for faith? That's going to make this wake up. Faith is trust. Why is trust so important to God? Well, he said it's fear. This trust in God is the admission that he is above us, that he knows better than us, right? Like a father to his children, God's number one goal, and we'll talk about this, has always been, will you trust me? Every time we don't obey, every time we don't do the little things, he says, guys, that the Bible says very clearly, right? If, if your brother has something against you, go to him. Leave your sacrifice at the altar and go to him, right? If your brother sinned against you, go to him. Um, hey, give generously. Forgive. All of these things, we don't do them because they're just things to do. We are trusting that God's way is better than our way. And if you trust God's way is better than your way, then there is an admission that, again, from the very beginning, he is God and I am not. (laughs) I am not. He is, I am, I am not. It's trust. He was blessed, and we know this in the New Testament. We're going to talk a little bit about it, right? When Abraham's brought up, everybody's like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's the law, and it's making sure we do the right thing. No, no, it's always been about faith. God says, my people are not the people that you already practice the religion, the empty words and the empty rituals, not that those are bad in of themselves. My people are people that worship me, what? In truth, in the spirit, in the heart. Those are my people, the people that trust me, that have faith in me. Faith that what? He will provide. Because when we don't trust that he'll provide, guess what happens? We start to to start thinking, well, he might not be I am. He's probably I am not I am. I got to make this happen. I have literally heard some, you know, listen, y'all's friends and family rat you out all the time to me. I don't know why. They don't come up and tattle, but in conversations, I hear the things you say to each other. Well, that's really nice at church, but this is real life. And in real life, we do it my way. Listen to yourself. We're not delusional. You are. Because you're saying, you're choosing to say that God It's just a name. You don't have fear of the Lord. That's a big problem in our culture. There's no fear of the Lord. There's no understanding that we exist by his pleasure. We exist because he has said, you know what? You guys are worth it. Instead of striking you dead where you stand. That's scary, isn't it? Good. Because the good, it's only it's only awesome to know what he could do. His goodness is shown in what he, not only what he does, he provides, but what he doesn't do. Side note, you better, some of us should be very thankful that we don't parent, right? That God doesn't parent, I mean the way we parent. So anyway, there's this trust. We get this crazy story. And God keeps his promise. <clears throat> would, would you do it? Well, I just asked you, can you even sacrifice your attention when you don't want to? I'll skip to Jesus. 
He said he will provide. Provide what? A lot of people think that uh, what Abraham actually thought was going to happen is that God was going to raise Isaac from the dead after he killed him. And they take that from the fact that he, was, he tied him down. He said he was about to slaughter him. By the way, you know how you slaughter animals? Boy, that gets, gets pretty dark, right? That term. <clears throat> so a lot of people think that's, that was his faith. He's like, listen, if I have to kill him, God's going to bring him back because my God, my Father, my provider would never take away the thing he knows I love the most, right? His promise. Really, it's his promise. He's not going to take his promise away. Stay with me. Let me go to Jesus. Right. Hey, are you the Messiah, by the way? I love this, man. I can't wait to the I am, the very last one we talk about this, when Jesus says to them, I am. He says it a couple times. He says it one time, and the soldiers fall to the ground. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 34. Christians, I know y'all know this. You probably memorized it in Sunday school. That's good. You ready, boys? There, thank you. Nice. So don't worry. Jesus tells this story. I guess I should start where this. He goes, hey, do the birds worry about, worry about anything? Do the lilies of the field worry about the clothes they're going to wear? And they look good. <laughs> they're, dressed in, they're dressed in Solomon and all his finery. couldn't look as good as that flower. Birds don't worry about where they're going to live, what they're going to eat. And yet not a single one of them falls without God knowing it. You are worth many of those, right? We know all this. And then he says this. So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God. You remember that, boys and girls, kingdom series? And his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. Which things? All things. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. God knows that we are worriers. And it's the same message. Stop worrying. I got this. I will provide. I will provide. He knows your needs better than you know your needs. I think it's interesting, too, in America, particularly. We are blessed, and also it's a struggle, man, for our faith. Imagine living in a situation where what you eat, drink, or wear is an actual worry. Now, all of a sudden, this takes like, (laughs) you don't really know what it's like to worry about what you're going to eat, drink, or wear. You don't. And so you don't really, you all kind of go, yeah, I'm not going to worry about that test tomorrow. That's good. That's what you're applying it. But guess what? You still worry about it. It's kind of like I said earlier. Some of us are worrying about whether or not we would sacrifice our child when we need to start worrying about if we can even sacrifice our attention, sacrifice our obedience, right? Same here. <clears throat> Stop worrying about if you trust God enough to come through when you're going to eat, drink, the things that keep you alive. Can you even have enough faith that God's going to come through in your marriage, in your relationship? In your finances, can you even have enough faith to say, if I, am for, if I forgive this person, are they going to hurt me again? You see what I'm saying? This is kind of deep. Can, you, can we obey in those little things? 
Do, can we even stop worrying in the little things? Because if not, you're not ready to graduate with whether, worrying about whether we eat or drink. You know, in third world countries, can you imagine the faith in Christ when they are starving? This is what I'm trying to say to you. This is real. People die for this. And we have an opportunity. We don't know what the future holds, do we? We live in crazy times in this world. We do. Let's, get, let's accept it. We live in some crazy times. I've talked to people far older than me, and I said, have you ever lived in a time like this? And there's people that are that Vietnam and people, even some people in World War II, you know, you, they've never lived in times like this. This is the strangest time. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. What if society collapsed tomorrow? Don't get too scared. But what if it did? Where's your faith then? What if you can't get your Starbucks? I'm not saying, you know, God will provide. This is a beautiful promise. This, this thing right here, he says, for the idolaters, that means the people that don't believe. They are the ones worried about what they're going to eat, drink. What if God does this? What if he doesn't do that? Am I, is this going to happen? Is it, am I going to get this? Is it going to work out? And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. And now we, we connect this with scripture where it says, right? What father, if his son asked for bread, would say, here's a rock, chew it. And if you who are evil in comparison to a holy God would not do that, would provide the needs, how much more will your heavenly father Provide for you. And this is where the voice in your head right now is saying, but he isn't. Isn't can easily be crushed by will. Will is coming, right? You with me? You're stuck in the now. He will provide. It's his own character. He took that as a name. I am Jehovah Jireh. I am the Lord who will provide. Will, which means he knows our needs and is already ahead of them and will provide them. You know, some of you, it's not about that. Some of you, it's, it's like I, you can't get over the hurt, the disappointment you've experienced in your faith. Christians, churches, people have hurt you, and the truth is that's the thing hindering you. You try and try and you keep messing up, right? So you run. You come back for a little bit, right? Come back to God for a minute to see, well, maybe, maybe it's safe to come. And then one of his people or his people and something reminds you, the voice, you run off again and back and forth. When trust is saying, God will heal my heart. God will honor my faith. Now, how does faith show itself in trust? It shows itself, and this is important to go to Abraham, in our obedience to what God tells us to do. Faith isn't just sitting around going, I know he's going to come through. I wish he would. It's saying, I'm going to be obedient in the things that he's told me to do, knowing that he will provide my needs. You understand? That's where real faith is. You can always say you're faithful to the end of time, but if you're not willing to forgive, you're not faithful. You don't trust him. If you're not willing to give your attention to a mess, if you're not willing to go to church because your tum-tum hurts, I'm not talking really bad. You know what I mean. I got belly pains too, all right? <clears throat> all those kinds of things, those things that make you not want to go or Todd is too grumpy or the music's too loud or, you know, the person next to me smells bad, whatever it is. <clears throat> 
you, you, you're not obeying. I don't talk about money often because I know that makes people uh, suspicious. No, anybody, I, I feel like I'm allowed to, though, David, because I don't drive a Bentley or anything, so people know I'm not rich. But <clears throat> And honestly, I'm too prideful. You ready for my dark side? If, if someone's like, I'm, this is, I shouldn't say this. I'm not a good pastor. I'm like, you keep your stinking money. I don't need it. That's how I am, right, in my flesh. But I'm saying this. If you haven't given to your church all year and you're a member, you ain't got no faith. Because the truth is you're worried about whether he's going to provide that bill. He's going to provide that gas money. He's going to, I mean, that's reality. And we don't even talk about percentages here. You're not willing to give anything. I get it. You don't think every time I pull my, put that in there, I'm a controller. It probably surprises you. I'm like, hmm, submit. I don't want to do that, right? And I try to talk myself down. You ever do that? I'm like, God's cool with like $10 less. <laughs> and then I actually, this is so embarrassing. Sometimes I'm like, well, that's like three energy drinks for the week. And God wants me to have energy, right? It's all the little things, guys. By the way, I need to say this because this has come up, and I'm not, I'm not talking to anyone. Please do not go and say, Todd is talking to me. I mean, I, I'm not. I don't do that because I would rather come to your face. But I am going to say this. <clears throat> and I lost my train of thought because I had to warn you that I'm not I'm talking to you because you everybody thinks that I am. Let's see, I was talking about money, talking about going to church. I'll probably remember later. I don't remember. See, you guys make me have to say that to you all the time because you get offended, and I have to hear about how I'm yelling at you or preaching to you specifically. Boy, you got an awful big opinion of yourself. Like I sit at home going, I can't. This is for David. This entire sermon is for David, right? Jill is going to really appreciate this analogy. No, I don't do that. If anything, I'm saying to me, that's the truth. Boy, whatever I had to say was probably really good. So you better, you better hope it comes back, all right? So I, I brought up the verse with Jesus because I think it's beautiful. We get at the very beginning, God has kind of taught us over time, humans, like babies. We've had to have things revealed to us slowly, right? Everybody says we're much worse than we were. No, we're not. We are not worse as a species of humans than we were then, right? You know, during Abraham's time, people comes up on a group, I... A nice tribe you have. I'm going to slaughter you and take all of your calves and your women, right? That doesn't typically happen nowadays. So as time has, has advanced, God has revealed himself more and more, and we see here, but he's the same God. So back then he says, hey, because you have believed me, because you have obeyed me and believed me, I will bless you. And then here's Jesus saying the same, why are you worrying? Don't worry about tomorrow. Your father knows what you need and ready will provide. So now we're just talking about tangible things. So remember the whole beginning of this whole message. I was like, hey, is this real to you? Yeah? Yeah? Give me a nod. You remember that? Thank you. Here's the thing. You want to know? But, but for some reason, we've stopped believing that God moves in our lives. Do you know that God is going to provide in your life? See, a lot of pastors out there, a lot of teachers, even me, they don't want to tell you that God's going to come through and answer your prayers and provide for you just in case he doesn't. Because that don't look good. If my, if my boss doesn't come through with you, then you might not come back. Because you see what I'm saying? It gets kind of deep. Like, I don't want to tell you. But, but I have to say, you take God at his promises. You take him at his promises because he is who he said he is. God will provide. I don't know how. 
I can tell you guys, honestly, I used to think this was just pastor talk or Christian talk. Oh, well, you know, God doesn't always give you what you want, but he gives you what you need. That's true. I promise you numerous times what I specifically prayed for, he didn't give me. And thank him. I praise him every day. Because if, if I was with that crazy girl that I was with that I wanted, I would not be here. Why is Jack nodding so much? He remembers her. Yeah, that, but at that time, that's all I wanted. 20-year-old Todd said, if I just have her, everything else will be provided. Oof. God said, no. I couldn't see a way out. I was just like all the rest of you. I'll never love again. You know, all that stuff. That's not true. Time after time, and I won't speak, think of yourself, think of your life. How many times has he come through for you? Really? Not in the short term, though he does sometimes, but in the long term. Are you here? Are you breathing? Where were you a year ago? Where do you want to be? Are you willing to follow him to go where he tells you to go? Do what he tells you to do. Don't do what he tells you not to do. You know, in men's group, we've talked a lot about there's a guy who decided to live like Jesus, not a Christian. Was it 30 days or 90 days? I can't remember, six months. Some, some amount of days, 30, okay. There's a guy who said he literally followed, and he went even farther and followed the Jewish laws, and he followed Jesus for 30 days. He wrote a book about it. And it's so interesting to hear the interview, and they said, how did you feel? And he says, it was, I was different. My life was better. <laughs> That's a non-believer. He said, my interactions with people were better, was better. And that guy's not even empowered by the Holy Spirit that you're empowered with. So God will provide your actual needs, guys. He will. I don't know how, but I have faith enough to tell you he will. I've seen it. I've seen people with no money who have truly put their faith in him. In the last minute, something shows up. And it's funny how God, when we live in community, God uses us to take care of each other. You think I'm going to let you starve? Todd, I'm not even a good guy. If, you, if I know one of you is hungry, let's just go to that. You think I'm, I'm going to let you starve? You think I'm going to let you be naked? No, right? <laughs> huh? You think that I'm not going to uh, give you something to drink if you're thirsty? God will provide. He has provided a way for us to have what we need. But we are so spoiled. I don't want to say this, but some of y'all, I don't want to say it. See, because I'm going to make somebody mad. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Some of, the, some of us in the room, not everyone, because not everybody's going to be paranoid. I, please don't stop nodding when you're listening and getting good stuff. But some of y'all that are nodding a lot, you're the ones that need to go, boy, I, I don't have a lot of faith. Because it doesn't show itself in what someone else tells you to, because you're God, right? That's not important, and you justify it to yourself. That's not to shame you. That's reality. I have a lot of areas in my own life. That's the thing, man. I, I, I go back to this for our members. And this is it should, a little family business here. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that our members, I mean, things happen sometimes, okay? Don't come to church when they can. I, that's like the bare minimum. I didn't used to be that. I was the guy, in case you're new, that I was like, you don't need to be go to church to be a Christian. You don't, right? But Christians go to church. They do. Well, churches are evil, and they've become nothing that God... That's just you justifying. <laughs> I get it. I was the guy. I can say that to you. 
because I was convicted heavily. Andy, right? I found an old email. He's like, yeah, man. Like, Andy, I found some emails from Andy where he was talking to me. Dude, I found your emails. This is a little side note. This, this week when I sent you the one, and your title to it was, all caps, do you hate the church? That's what he said to me. But guess what? That's, he had a reason, right? And he sent me an article, and I used that this week because we used to fight about that. And he used to say, hey, man, sometimes you're kind of a punk, right? And I was like, man, you're a punk. But the truth is I was. I was a little bit of a punk. Because I didn't see that. Why? But you know what the real thing was? I didn't trust God through God's people. Yeah. You still call me out, though, so it's good. So God's going to provide your necessities, your needs. Do you believe that? Why not take him at his word and see what happens? I've seen it, man. I've seen it this year. And it's one of those times I want to tell all these cool stories I know about you guys and how God's shown himself in your lives. I've seen it. I've seen it happen. You know, I've seen Trent take a crazy step. He doesn't want me to say this and just leave. You know, successful dude's got money. He got that money. He's not rich. He would tell you to tell it. But he's got himself to take care of and and go what? To to live in a church? Why? Because he trusts God that God's got a plan for him. Right? The nears, they're like, hey, I'm going to leave this cushy lack of a better word, I got a good reputation, I'm suddenly come here, and what happens, right? God, has God shown himself to you? Has he, has he honored that even though, has he honored that, Trent? Has he provided, even though there's times you go, man, what the heck am I doing? Has he shown himself? Even though there's been times where you doubt it, hasn't? Of course there has. Did I make the right decision? And then what? Somehow he goes, oof, that was the right decision, right? Josh, he kept coming back, bro. He didn't have to, even when you want to fight me. He kept coming back. And did God honor that? Are you in a different place when you left everything than you were a year ago? The answer is yes. Talk to these people. Think of Jill and Tim years ago. We didn't even have a children's church. I was bluffing, right? <laughs> we just had, some, had a babysitter, kind of. And they come with all these kids, and look what happened, right? Has God provided? When we didn't have a place to go, when the place we were at says, you got to get out. And I tell this story all the time, and it's just become this like platitude, like nice story. But it's reality. We had to leave. We were at the center. you got to get out. No warning. you got 30 days. All of a sudden, we're picking between, I don't want to say any bad about them, but a crepit old building that flooded that we get to use once a week. And the high school that we had to pay a fortune for. The day we were going to make our, the day we were going to our leadership steering team meeting, to pick our final decision, we get a phone call. Hey, have you made a decision? Don't do it yet. You need to talk to this guy. And a pastor who's never met us comes to talk to us, comes to one service at the play, comes back and goes, hi, we want to we sell you guys our building. Oh, by the way, um, we're going to sell it to you for what we owe, which is a fourth of its value. Come on. That's not a coincidence. Do you understand that? I mean, he just kept blessing. We got a field, okay? Todd didn't believe. I'm going to be real. I was the guy when the ch- this church said, hey, let's move forward the field. And I said, no, <laughs> you don't give. <laughs> just, we can. And all of a sudden, right, the guy shows up. Someone made a promise they didn't keep, but at least it got us started. And what did God do? He provided. We prayed yesterday for a little event that let's be real. Let's all be real. When you looked at it, it did not look good. All right, Fred's covering his face. I get it, brother. I get it, okay? Good job faking it, by the way. You're like, yeah, this is great. Afterwards, he's like, Todd, I'm gonna be real with you, man. It didn't look good. But guess what happened? God blew it out of the water. You know why? 
because Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Jireh, the Lord will provide. And he did. And he's not done. He's not done. All he wants are a people that are willing to, ready, trust that he'll provide. The trust has to come first. Go to the mountain. Will you go? Let me tell you how I know some of y'all ain't going to the mountain if God tells you. Because you can't drive five minutes to church. You ain't going to the mountain. (laughs) Let's just be real. Now, some of you in the room today that aren't believers, I want to give you, you inspire me. Because you're real enough to say, I believe something with this, this, this God. I don't know what it is. Guess what? Even now, before you've put your faith in him, he's honoring your faith. He's honoring the faith that you're giving to seek him, and he'll show himself to you, I promise. Keep looking. How do I know? I was you. (laughs) I was you. So God's going to provide your needs. Let me tell you how far-reaching God's design is. John 3, 16 and 17. You know that one, don't you, Luke? I bet you do. For he doesn't like to smile when I talk to him. He does afterwards. I got a little half one. No, it looks like a hand has an upside down frown smile. Anyway, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be safe through him. God loved us so much that he was willing to do and follow through with what he told Abraham he didn't have to do. I will give my son. He made a plan for us. Even to Abraham. This is, I don't want to get too deep. I can blow some of y'all mind, okay? But Abraham's faith in God before he knew Christ, God exists outside of time. His faith in Christ, his faith, God is Christ, right? Saved him. That's deep. Well, how was Abraham saved? There was no Jesus. But you got to get out of your mind that Jesus is in our time frame here. Right? Jesus. God loves, God provided a way for you to be saved. He saved you. Even today, if you're in this room, he is right now provided for you to be here to hear about the way that your life can change today. Listen, you've tried it your way. How's it going? You're probably going, well, it's going decent. Quit lying to yourself. It ain't going good. All right, that's cool. Well, Todd, what's, why'd you tell me that? God provided it away. Let's keep reading. Romans 3, 21 through 26. But now, apart from the law, this is the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Rome. But now, apart from the law, God's righteousness has been revealed, attested by the law and prophets. Essentially, hey, he told us what he was going to do in the Old Testament, and then he did it. That is God's righteousness through what? Faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Believe what? Believe him. Trust him. Since there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified. That means made right. Freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented him as a propitiation. Propitiation. I hate that word. Through faith in his blood to demonstrate his righteousness because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. This is wordy. I'll 
God presented him, capital H, who is that? Presented who? Jesus. Presented him to demonstrate his righteousness. I love this. You ready? This is all going to tie together for you. At the present time. So that he would be righteous and declare righteous the one who has faith in Jesus. Todd, that's a bunch of wordy stuff. I'll fill it out in a second. But overall, he, he provided. And to know God for us is the same as it was to Abraham. Do you believe him? Do you trust him? Enough to put your faith in him? To go to the mountain? To go to the cross? To say, I don't understand it all. I don't even get it, but I believe. And if you do, then you will have right relationship with God. You will have a covenant with him. He will make a covenant with you. You get what I'm saying? Am I losing you? I'll start saying names. Am I losing you? <laughs> That's the only thing that people pay attention. If I say I'm going to say a name, like, you ain't going to say my name. I keep telling myself I'm not going to. And then AJ found like a sermon from like our first year of existence, and I was doing it then too. So it's probably no hope it's going to change. I love this because it shows us that the New Testament and Old Testament are all connected. It's always been about, do you trust God? God what? That he will provide. Provide what? Everything, including a way for you to be made holy and right with him. Well, Todd, I'm a terrible person, and I can't get over these things that I've done and that I do. I get it. Me too. But he's already provided. And he will provide over and over and over again. Romans says, right, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. You can't out-sin grace. It's not possible. Now, a lot of people tell you they agree with that, but their faith and their religion and their version of Christianity doesn't, doesn't show that. You know why? Because they're scared. If they don't make control you through fear, then you might go out and sleep with everyone and kill people and steal. That's just what they think. And I've said this before, I believe God that those of you whom he's given the Holy Spirit, he'll, he'll handle all that. So why make you live in fear when he says what? I've come to set the captives free. Perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears has not been perfected in love. First John says that, and that means we don't really trust that he loves us. He says, he takes the name provider. Provide what? Everything. If you're like me, you go, I used to, this was my best argument. Yeah, well, he doesn't provide. You know, Christians pray and they get diseases and they die. He didn't provide. And I'm sitting there going, that person that died is in paradise. Not sad, not lonely, not chubby, right? Just living, living it. I'm serious. And when I realized that at the moment, you know, I thought my faith was strong. I was like, man, my faith's not even strong enough to believe that, that the other side is better than here. But it is. And does that mean, you know, Lord forbid, I don't know. I hope in, in that moment I'll have that peace in knowing that. But even if I don't, even if my fear takes me over, he's promised he'll never let go of me. It's a beautiful thing. It's always been about trust that he will provide. And we live in so much worry. You know, your bitterness is caused by worry because you don't think he'll come through. Let's, let's, let's go along, right? I can't believe I've become this pastor. 
I've all, you know, pastors talk about money and they talk about coming to church. And I have somehow become morphed into that, that, that guy, you know, while I'm still in my early 20s. It's crazy. Uh, why y'all laugh? <laughs> I have noticed people don't guess that's my age anymore. Weird. Um, <clears throat> I get lost all the time because I just go off track. But what was I saying? Jill, you taking notes? Yeah, well, yeah, church. Thank you. Perfect. Here's the thing. We don't trust, like, when we don't go to church, right, when we, we, in those moments when we don't go to church, keeping that theme, because I'm tired, let, let's, let's follow it at its base level. If I'm really tired and I have to miss church, even though God has said I should go, right, if I can, because you'll go to work. That's been my big thing lately. Yo, if it don't keep you from going to work, you probably should go to church. But here's the thing. You know why you don't go? Because deep down you don't trust that God will either give you an opportunity to rest that you think you need or provide you the energy that you need without that rest. You get what I'm saying? I mean, isn't that truth? You've taken over and said, I don't have to do what he says because I've got to take care of myself. I've got to take care of me. Some of y'all have adopted that and you've justified selfish living by saying, I have to love myself first before I can love others. That's a lie. I don't love myself at all. That's the truth. I really don't. And some of y'all I love a lot. I want to love all of you, but you get what I mean? Now people are wondering, does he mean me? I love you all. I just, you get what I'm saying? But that's the thing. Quit, work, quit focusing on that. Because when you love you, who's providing for you? What is that justifying? It's justifying your, your desire to do whatever you... It's really justifying selfishness. It always is. I've noticed that self-love is really just selfishness a lot of times. Now, I'm against self-hatred. That's different. You, you shouldn't hate yourself. You should rest in who you are. I'm a king. You don't have to like it. And when I live out of that, it's awesome because I'm free to love you because I don't care what you think of me. Because guess what, guys? If I really love myself today... I would still be in my shorts at home because I'm tired and I need to self-love myself. But y'all ain't letting me self-love me. You're going to fire me, right? Everybody's smiling. We wouldn't do Yeah, you would. I've already figured it out. I think I'd get by about two months before people start going, what's that dude doing? Right? Right? Anyway, God, it's always been about faith. I'm going to leave you with the list. I gotta, what do I got here? What time? I got enough time here. I got 45 minutes. Well, I'm just kidding. Is this speaking to you at all? The, con- the idea that God has promised provision to you? Do you believe that? And here's the thing. Yeah, I believe it. What will you do today? What will you change to say, I'm going to start stepping in faith in one area that I'm not right now? One area. Just pick one. And watch God move in your life. Watch what he will provide if you're obedient. He'll provide a ram in the thicket. I believe that. He'll provide a way for your need. I don't know what it looks like, but I've seen it. So I'm going to leave you with the list. I know you love your list. So he is, nice, doesn't make up for earlier, but that's good. He is the provider. What do we take from this? Well, one, guys, oh boy, is that, oh, it's good, big for you. It's tiny for me. I don't even know why we have that. Faith in God is just trust in God. I want to leave you with that. Listen, what's faith? Faith in God is simply trusting God. What does trusting God mean? 
It means believing that he's going to do what he said he's going to do, and he is who he said he is. That's all it is. Stop thinking of it as this superhuman power. It is trusting God and acting like you trust him. Because again, I could say I trust this floor all I want, but until the day I step onto it, I'm not really showing that I trust, right? By the way, you trust all the time. You trust when you hit that brake that the car's going to stop. Which, thank goodness. Number two, he will provide what we need. I know that's a simple point, Todd, but you, you guys need to take that with you. He will provide. He's going to do it. I don't know how. I wish I could tell you. Those of you in a financial situation, you're having marital problems, maybe health issues. I mean, there's tons of things. I don't know. And I'm not saying that the provision isn't going to make you nervous and scared at times. And that's okay. He loves you, right? My baby, I love her a lot. She's, a, she's getting to it. Boy, she, first time I'm struck, she's kind of getting grumpy a little bit, okay? But I don't get upset when she's scared. Last night it was hard to put her to sleep for a lot of reasons. She just wasn't going to sleep. And even in my frustration, I wasn't mad at her that she got afraid when I'm not there or screaming. I don't get mad at that. And he doesn't get mad at you either. So you have to accept that sometimes, just like Abraham, when he's walking to the mountain, do you think he was afraid? Do you think he felt the emotion of fear? Do you think he felt anxiety? I don't know. Yeah, we think probably at least moments of it. But there was probably a moment, right, and we know because he was going to do it when he had a peace because he said, I let go because I trust that Yahweh, right, Jireh. The Lord will provide. He will provide. Number three, this is easy. He's already provided an instruction manual, the Bible. Sometimes we're like, well, how's he going to provide? What are we going to do? Here's the thing. When you're kind to people, when you love people the way they love you, people don't hate you as much. That's just a simple example. I don't have any friends. Maybe you should start loving people. But I got I to gotta do it for me. I got to work tonight. Right? He provided instruction, man. Guys, he has told us what to do and not to do. So, like I said before, what will you do today that he has told you to do that you haven't been that's a step in the direction of obedience, a, a step in the direction of belief that he will what? Provide. Pick one. You got one? You don't yet. That's okay. I'll give you a little bit of time. Number four, he is all, this is deep. He is already ahead of the what if. So why worry? A lot of times what stops us from trusting in that God is going to provide is the what if. I'm a big what if guy. What if I do that and it doesn't work out? What if I give offering, I have two dollars you got more than that but let's what if i give that two dollars and then my car breaks down and i don't have any change to call someone to pick me up i wish some of y'all would just say it out loud because that's what you think what if he's already ahead of the tire blowing he's already ahead he will provide he keeps his promises so if you already know he's ahead of the what if, meaning the what if to him is reality. He's ahead of it. Time doesn't exist. He knows what's going to happen, right? If that's the case, why are you worried? Because he already said he's going to provide. Does this make sense? It's deep. What, you're walking along, and what if I fall in a pit and I break my leg? If I go upstairs, I'm going to snap my kneecap. I don't know. 
God is already over here. He already knows whether you're going to snap your kneecap or not. And he's already still provided. Just walk. Number five. He was willing to sacrifice what you weren't to provide your eternity. That's deep. He was willing to sacrifice what you weren't. Because you weren't even willing to sacrifice your obedience. You still don't at times. And he sacrificed his son, the thing he loved, the thing he was well pleased for you. He was willing to do what we weren't, to go where we couldn't, to provide a way for us to come home. And you say you believe that, but you don't believe if your husband goes and spends $10 from the savings that you're going to make it? Yeah, some of y'all, I know your lives. If we don't have 3000 in savings, we're going to die. And I'm over here like, oh, man, I wish I had 50 bucks. I'm serious. Some of y'all, like, woke me up to reality. You need to, like, you, you li- I don't even know how you, I can't fathom how you live. There's only $2,990 in savings. You can't buy a coffee. It's not budgeted. You, you literally start fights with your husband. Because he took $50 to buy a new tire. You could just pick your car up and walk home. You all know I'm talking to some of you right now. Again, lucky I'm not married to you. I go and buy 10 tires. That's why I don't, I don't do what I'm supposed to do. How do I get where I get? I don't know. But here's the thing, but that shows trust that he'll provide. She's going to come play some music. And remember I told you earlier, I left you with a question. I said, well, I'm going to start. I'll build up to that. Do you trust God as your provider? Now listen. Hey, stay with me. Give me your attention for just a little bit longer. Do you trust God as your provider? You don't have to tell me out loud in your head. If the answer is no, and it should be no for some of you, you don't. What are the areas that you don't trust? What made you immediately go, I don't trust that he's my provider? Now stay with me, this gets deep. And how is that showing in your life that you don't trust that he's your provider? If you're honest. What areas have you taken over? Have you said, he said to go this way, but I don't like that. And if I go that way, he's, I'm sad. So I'm gonna go this way. Sometimes it's a small, right? You go a little, I'm gonna go around the tree. He told me to go this way, I'm gonna go. And you come back and you think that's okay and some of you are way over here what's an area in your life that shows that you don't trust he's going to provide is it giving is it going to your brother or sister when they've wronged you is it forgiving is it loving the unlovable is it spending time with the wrong people who would make you look bad even though they need Jesus too is it going to church Do you trust God as your provider? Do you really believe he'll come through? Is it your finances? Well, you, you've got to control them because if you don't, well, you guys will end up homeless. I've been homeless for real for a time. I still had a place to sleep. God provided for me. Do you trust God as your provider? Do you really believe he'll come through? What would it take for you to believe and trust that he's going to come through? that he has already provided for you. Remember I told you earlier, you're here today. You're breathing. You're clothed. He's, and he's provided your salvation. 
For those who have put their faith in him, he's given you salvation. You believe that. He's provided the way. So here's the question to wrap around. I ask you all that to say, what's something you can do to say, God, I will trust you. I will trust that you are my Jireh, right? That you are my Yahweh Jireh, that you are the Lord who will provide. What tangibly can you do when you walk out of here today? Or maybe in this five minutes, maybe it's a, a forgiveness thing. Maybe it's accepting Christ. We'll get to that. What are you willing to do today to say, I will take this step toward the mountain? Because I believe what's there is going to be what I need. What are you willing to turn away from today? What are you willing to change? Take this time and do it. Come to the altar. Confess your sins and you will be healed. Do you know what says that? It's weird. We already saved. So when he, what does he mean when he says you're healed? Healed of the anxiety, the worry, the guilt, the shame, the ability to walk away and say, God, I'm sorry I haven't been doing this, I haven't been falling, I'm going to quit and I'm going to fall out and to feel that peace. If you've ever done it, you know what I mean. If you're in the room and you don't know Jesus, you've probably had a lot of hurt in your life, a lot of brokenness, a lot of things go wrong, and you're like, well, where was God then? He was there. I, lo- I thought one time, you know, I had a lot of things happen to me when I was young, and I don't, I'm not a whiner by nature, but a lot of things. And I had a moment one time in worship, I'll never forget this, when I said, How could, where were you? I'll get emotional. Where were you when this was happening? Why weren't you there? And it's just simple, I was. That he used everything that happened to me to give me parts, right? To prepare me for the moment when I come to know him. And in that moment, I was equipped with things that I would have never been equipped with had I not been where I was. And he took me through it. He was there in your hurt, your brokenness, your loneliness, your sin, your mistakes, the things you've done that you don't want to admit. He was there and you're still here. And you have the opportunity to stop running, to stop going your way, to stop trying to get on that treadmill of life or that hamster wheel where you're doing the same thing and getting nowhere. You have the chance today to change, to be changed. But here's the thing. You're going to have to take a step toward the mountain. You're going to have to take a step toward the cross. You have to. You have to show that you're willing to believe that he'll provide, even though everything inside of you is screaming that he won't. The gospel is very simple. The good news. We screwed everything up. We decided he's not God and we are. And in that moment, we were separated from him. Like a branch snapped off a tree, we're dying and we don't even know it. You're unhealthy, you're lonely, you're broken. You know it's true. Your money hasn't saved you the times when you had money. The warm body hasn't made you feel better. The drugs, the alcohol, the secrets, it hasn't made you feel better. It's just a distraction so that you don't hurt at night before you close your eyes. Today's the chance that you have to come to Yahweh Jireh. He's provided this moment. He loves you. And here's the good news, that even now in the midst of your sin, when you can't fathom someone to forgive you and love you for who you are and what you've done, he's saying, I see you. I was there every step of the way, and I brought you here today to come home to me. So how do you do that? Simple. You believe him, just like Abraham. Do you believe that he is who he said he was and is going to do and has done what he said he's going to do and has done? That Jesus Christ, God made flesh, he existed. Who is he to you? 
If you believe he is who he said he was, then you have to respond. Jesus Christ came down. He showed us how to live, told us what the kingdom's like, what it's, bad, what it's like to be whole and home with him. And then he did something crazy. You, who is separated from God by your sins and your mistakes, who are guilty, you are guilty and you know it. That you are destined for hell. That's eternity separated from God. How could a good God send you to hell? He's not. He's letting you choose it. But if you don't want it, you don't have to have it. And today's the chance you have. Jesus Christ died on the cross for all those secrets and the shame and the bitterness and the hurt and the bottles and the women and the men and all the things that you're afraid of. He died for you in that moment. In that moment, he was thinking of you. That's real. And if you were the only person that ever lived, he would have done it for you. What does that mean? Well, it's crazy. This perfect, innocent man took the punishment reserved for us so that you never have to. I never have to. And you've probably been told you gotta clean your act up. You gotta get off those pills. You gotta stop drinking. You gotta stop sleeping around. You gotta stop doing all these things. No, no, you just gotta be willing to say that's not the right way. He'll handle the rest. So what do you do? Are you willing to say, I believe you, God? I'm done going my way? The Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Pastor so-and-so said, I had to quit drinking first. He lied to you. That'll come later. And if you guys don't like that, come talk to me after and we'll talk. You can't do it on your own. If you could, you would have already done it. You're going to get a chance today. I know we've went long. I did the same thing as you. I'm not tricking you. I was kind of tricked. They told me to come back here in a, in a secret room. So everybody, we don't do this a lot. Close your eyes, bow your heads. I'll look at you, you rebels. I'll call you out if you don't. Please, respect this time. If you're in this room today, and you don't have to know how, I'm not going to call your name out. I'm not going to do anything. But raise your hand if you want life in Christ. If you want to believe that God is who he said he was, raise it right now. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Put your hands down. Listen, if you haven't accepted Christ and you raised your hand, and you know what I mean by that, don't overthink it. If you haven't truly went and said, put my faith in you, you already raised your hand, you did the part, I see you. Don't leave here. Don't leave here without doing it. There's people up here willing to pray for you. Well, that's embarrassing. Is it really? I did it. Just come up and say, I want Jesus, and they'll help you with the rest. And if you're in this room and, you, and you've, you've walked away or you've, you've forgotten that he provides, come up to the altar and, and, and take that time to let go of the weight you've been carrying. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in, because if you do, you're choosing to.